Hello and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. This month, we're looking at the book of James, and we're entitling our Friday series, Spending June in James. Last time, we were in the book of James, chapter 1. Today, it takes us to chapter 2. And we encourage you, if you haven't, just to spend a little bit of time reading James, chapter 2 has only 26 verses. It's pretty simple to understand, but we want to walk together with you through this and highlight several things that we see that we think is important to you. The chapter really is broken down in two sections. The first 13 verses deal with a subject of partiality and how that's uh, not a good thing. Favoritism, we might use the word. And then from verses 14 to 26, it deals with the idea of faith and works. And we're really entitling this episode Faith in Action because in both of these, they're not two independent thoughts, but they join together. And it shows that our faith must be leading us to doing what God wants us to do. Yeah, in a lot of ways, this first section sure does seem to revolve around treating people the way that Jesus treated people. He's going to talk in verse 8 about the royal law, fulfilling the royal law. And if he just left us there to guess, we might come up with a variety of different theories, but he he doesn't leave us on our own. He defines as the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in order to help us wrap our mind around what that means, what that might look like, he gives us, Roger, a, a hypothetical there in the first couple of verses of James chapter 2. Let's say, verse 2, if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into one of our assemblies, and then a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in whether we're living 2,000 years ago or today, Roger, what are we, many of us, going to be tempted to do? Well, he says in verse 3, he says, you pay attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. You say to the poor man, you stand over there or you sit on the floor, you sit on my footstool, by my footstool. And so uh, the, the man who's dressed finely is impressive. And the brethren there were impressed with the outside, his clothing, his gold rings. But the poor man, because of what he was wearing, he was given no time and no preference whatsoever. And why here immediately we're noticing the contrast between the outside and the inside. Uh, as we were thinking about this chapter, I told Jason, I said, you know, James being the, the stepbrother of Jesus, how easily Jesus himself can be described as the poor man in dirty clothes. Uh, Jesus didn't have a lot of wealth, and, and to think that wealth could have been him. And so, so from that, so you're, you're paying favoritism. You're, you're playing favorites here. Uh, James tells us in verse 4, you have made distinctions and have become judges with evil motives because you're doing these things. He expanded upon this in verse 9 by saying, if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. 
And then he says in verse 12, so speak and so act as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. So, so why he's driving at is you, the outside doesn't matter. It's the inside that matters. And, and so here comes somebody and he pulls up to the church building in a fine looking car. He hops out in fine looking clothes and we all rush to the door to open the doors for him. And then walks a guy, looks like he just got off the street and he has to open the door for himself because we're not sure if we even want him to come in. That's what James is driving at here. And by this, he's saying your spirit is not right. Your attitude is not right. Your judging is not right. And God has made poor people as they are in the world. He says in verse 5, did God not choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And how we miss the main point of all that. Yeah, what a powerful contrast, right? I may be poor in the world, but rich in faith. I mean, 10,000 years from now, what's going to matter more? If, if I was poor in the world, rich in faith versus rich in the world, but poor in faith, 10,000 years from now, there is no question whatsoever what is going to have been the most important factor, right? And so James gives us a hypothetical. We could plug and play all sorts of things, you know, based on the color of someone's skin, where they grew up, who's in their family tree, what they do for a living, where they go or went to school, what they, uh, what neighborhood they live in, all different kinds of ways that we can make distinctions. But Roger, I think you highlighted the most important principle a few moments ago. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament when God was talking to the prophet Samuel, right? Samuel is about to anoint the next king in Israel. He goes by God's direction to the household of Jesse, and he immediately sees the oldest son of Jesse. I mean, he just looks like a king, right? And Samuel is ready to anoint the next king in Israel. And God says, nope, not him. And he goes all the way down the line, right? And and emphasizes, listen, man looks on the outward appearance, but I, the Lord, look on the heart, which is why I think Roger James chapter 2 really is all about faith. Absolutely. And so this first section ends in verse 13 with this powerful statement, for judgment will be merciless to the one who's shown no mercy. That's a powerful statement. It, 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 it's uh, and one of the things we find in the book of James is it, it pulls from the words of Jesus so often. And we think about the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount that if we will not forgive, God will not forgive us. And so here's somebody who has no mercy for this poor guy. He has no time for this poor guy. This poor guy can't do anything for me, so I really don't care about him. That's showing no mercy, and God does not tolerate that at all. And so, so in this first section here, faith toward each other. Um, my faith in God is going to color how I view people in the world. And if I follow the world standards today, then it's the rich, the powerful, the famous is who I'm going to be following. If I follow the standard of the Bible, everyone's created in the image of God. Everyone matters. So what good is it? He moves on in verse 14 to ask, if someone says he has faith but does not have 
works. Now, Roger, sometimes in religious discussions, when we run across this word works, uh, there's all sorts of theory as to exactly what James means by that. Well, he's just shown us that, right? I mean, it's not like this is James chapter one, verse one. He's talked all about works in, in, in last Friday's discussion. You talked about how this is maybe one of the most, if not the most practical books in all of the New Testament. And so earlier at the very end of James chapter one, he talked about bridling our tongue, uh, talked about the way that we treat orphans and widows. He talked about keeping ourselves unstained from the world. He's just given us this hypothetical about a poor man and a rich man who, who come into our assembly. Works is just another word for what we do. If I say I have work or I say I have faith, but I'm not doing what God actually wants me to do, boy, does James use a strong word, worthless, right? Absolutely. And and notice already this little running theme through these first two chapters. Chapter one ended by talking about the widow and the orphans and how we need to visit them. And that doesn't mean just sit on the front porch with a glass of tea. It <laughs> means take care of them. So here, chapter two begins by talking about this poor guy. And do I, do I neglect him because he's wearing, because he's poor? Now, as we go down here a little bit deeper in chapter two, he talks about in verse 15, if a brother or sister is without clothing, need of daily food, you say to him, go in peace, be warmed and be filled. And yet you do not give them by what is necessary for the body, what use is that? So so here, here's three different examples, three different situations where we talk about faith in action. Faith is more than just me and God. Faith is me, God, and how I use it toward other people. So do I take care of those who are in need? Do I play favorites? Do I see that something I have can help someone else, but I don't want to share it? That's showing I really don't have the faith. And so as you walk through this, what you're noticing, and and uh, there are some uh, books out there today who are printed this way, you know, sometimes our chapter breaks and our verse breaks, it, it, it kind of makes it choppy. If we were to look at this without the chapters, without the verses, one long continuous flow here, we realize that James is really driving at our faith is reflected by how we treat other people. Yeah, showing faith by our works. And he goes on to the end of what we have as chapter 2 to give us three more examples. What what does he mean by showing faith by my works? Roger, he talks about the demons and Abraham and Rahab. What a what an interesting combination. What can we learn from those? Well, you know, when, when I think about the demons here, and it says the demons believe, and, you know, the, because of their faith, the demons don't change. They're still demons. They don't, but, but that we think about Mark chapter five, where that man came running toward Jesus and a demon was speaking to him and he bowed down before Jesus and he begged Jesus not to torment him, but to send him into the swine. Uh, there, there was a demons that believed. And, and so, but faith must have the actions. Abraham, it tells us in verse 21 was justified when he offered up Isaac on the altar. Uh, up to this point, there had been no resurrections in the Bible. And Isaac was the son of promise. How was God going to do this if Abraham killed him? 
God, or Abraham rather, understood by faith. He knew somehow God was going to do this. God had commanded him, I'm going to do this. Rahab takes us over here to the city of Jericho and how uh, the Israel was coming into Jericho and they'd taken nation after nation, city after city. Jericho was next in line. And yet Rahab believed. She had heard the stories about Israel and Israel's God. And she knew that if they could take care of the mighty Egyptians, Jericho had no chance. And she believed and she hid those spies, protected those spies. And her name was found in Hebrews 11 as somebody who walked by faith. It is such a powerful argument. Rahab couldn't say, I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and keep living like everybody else in Jericho. Abraham couldn't say, I love God, but ignore God when God said, I want you to go to the mountains of Moriah and offer your son to me as a sacrifice. The The demons themselves cannot say we're we're on God's side. And of course, James' ultimate point is, I can't say I'm on God's side and live like a child of the devil. No. Verse 26, the great conclusion is, as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Roger, maybe somebody's driving to work or mowing their grass, and that last phrase or two maybe is a little confusing. What do you think James means by, as the body apart from the spirit is dead? Well, that, that's, I think, the biblical definition of what death is. Death is the separation of the body and spirit. Classic example of that is Jesus himself. Uh, Acts chapter 2 says when he, when he died, his body was put into the grave. His spirit uh, went to uh, the unseen world. It went to Hades. A resurrection is a reuniting of those two. So Jesus came out of the, out of the grave. His spirit was returned to him. He had life. So what death is is when our body and our spirit separate. And so noticing verse 17 and also verse 26, twice in this section, James makes a strong principle, faith, if it has no works, is dead. That's verse 17. Verse 26, faith without works is dead. If my faith in Jesus does not change me, if it does not move me, I don't have faith. That's what he's saying. So all around me are people, people at work, people in the family, people in the neighborhood. But if I've got my blinders on and all I see and all I think about is myself, where is my faith? And James is saying, maybe you don't even have it. And that's some serious things to consider. Yeah. If someone says, you know, the Bible, that's an old book, dusty, outdated, irrelevant they're not reading the book of James. Spending June with James is absolutely a worthwhile activity this summer. Roger, I appreciate you joining me and walking with me through James chapter 2. Again, we would encourage you, if you haven't already read that, it would take you literally a 
a handful of minutes to read James 1 and 2, you would be well served by jumping into this weekend, reading these two powerful chapters. Lord willing, next Wednesday, no mystery, we're going to be in James chapter 3, and you would be well served by reading that before hitting play on our next Friday episode. But in the meantime, Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope our discussion has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.